Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to Infertile AF, the podcast. This is episode 237 called Rashmi. This podcast is sponsored by Receptiva DX. Receptiva DX is a powerful test that has helped thousands of women who have experienced recurrent pregnancy loss or IVF failure. The test helps detect inflammatory conditions of the uterus that might be preventing you from becoming pregnant or staying pregnant. The most common underlying condition of a positive Receptiva DX test is endometriosis with or without symptoms. If you or someone you know has struggled with IVF, Receptiva DX may give you the answer and treatment protocols that you're looking for. Talk with your doctor about Receptiva DX because the journey is so worth it. Plus, guys, InfertileF listeners are getting $75 off the Receptiva DX test. So all you have to do is go to ReceptivaDX.com or download the app Receptiva DX, use code InfertileAF23, and you'll get $75 off. Thanks, Receptiva DX. This episode is sponsored by Mira. How does Mira help track ovulation? Mira measures actual fertility hormone concentrations with 99% accuracy. Mira is unlike other fertility trackers. It uses technology that's similar to what's used in the fertility lab, so it's just like having your own mini lab at home. With the power of AI, Mira learns about your cycle and gives you personalized and accurate insights about your ovulation and fertility window. And yes, it works for those with irregular cycles and PCOS. Mira syncs your data automatically, eliminating both manual charting and guesswork. Designed to be expandable, the Mira system will also offer more at-home health tracking in the future. In addition to LH, E3G, and PDG, Mira now has the capacity to measure your FSH and soon your HCG, plus other hormones. Guys, that's a mouthful. Order the Mira Starter Kit or Mira Plus Starter Kit online at miracare.com with promo code InfertileAF to get an exclusive discount. Again, go to miracare.com, that's M-I-R-A-C-A-R-E.com, use code InfertileAF, and you'll get an exclusive InfertileAF listener discount. Thanks, Mira. All right, guys, my guest today, oh, she is so beautiful inside and out. She has such a big heart. Her name is Rashmi Gill, and she is a photographer who I met through the Hey Mama community. We saw each other at an event recently, and she took some pictures of me, actually. So we're going to talk about that in the beginning of the episode. But she's just a wonderful human, and we're going to talk about her IVF journey. She has two kids now through assisted reproductive technology, so we're going to talk about all the ups and downs of that. But we're also going to talk about her Punjabi Sikh heritage and the stigmas that go along when you grow up in that, the culture that she grew up in, stigmas of infertility and not being able to have kids. She gets really raw and open about all that. And it's really interesting. Um, both of her parents are Indian by birth and she and her two brothers grew up in England. So there's a lot culturally to unpack there, which we do. So give it a listen. She's awesome. Without further ado, this is Rashmi's infertility story. Rashmi, how are you today? Thank you for doing Hi. this. Hi, I'm great. How are you? I'm really good. I have to say we had such a wonderful time at a recent Hey Mama event. You were there as a photographer. 
you and I like had a really nice conversation. You're so warm. You took some headshots of me, which you made me feel really comfortable. I hate having my photo taken, but you're just so good at what you do. So I'm really glad we got to meet in person because we'd been emailing for a little while. Yeah. Isn't it crazy that you you feel like you really know someone, but yet you haven't met them. And so I was, yeah, I was thrilled to meet you in person. Yes. Um, and you were shining in front of the camera. You were- Oh gosh. Okay. <laughs> anyway, enough about me. So let's start with you. Question I always love to ask is, did you always want to be a mama? Oh my gosh. Yes. I mean, I am one of many, many cousins. My dad was one of 10 And so I grew up in a very big extended family. And for me, family, children, generations mean so much. So yes, I always wanted to become a mother. Um, My my vision of my family was two boys, two girls. That was my ideal family. Mm -hmm. So yes, I feel like it was something that was always something that I wanted to become. Okay. And then what was your sexual education growing? Where did you grow up? And what did you know about like having babies and getting pregnant and fertility and all that stuff? What did you learn? Yeah. I mean, I grew up, my parents are first first immigrants from Kenya and India to London. Mm -hmm. And so I was like that first generation of children growing up in this, born and brought up in London, but with Indian parents who my parents thankfully weren't super traditional that they were holding on to everything that they knew in terms of their heritage. In fact, my dad's best advice was, you know, take the best from being in Britain and being British, but also take the best from being an Indian Punjabi Sikh girl and make it your own. And so they were really good at doing that. But when it came to sex education, um, not so much, mainly because I don't think they knew what to say. I remember mm-hmm. asking my dad for the first time, dad, where did the babies come from? And he kind of went, um, um, yeah. and before he could even say anything, I said, oh, does someone put like an injection into mama's tummy? Mm-hmm. And then the baby comes up, up around, uh, is born and he's like, yeah, something like that. Oh, um, interesting. But, Foreshadowing. That was very <laughs> When you talk about your culture and like when they said, make it your own, what did that mean? Like, what did that look like for you? So for me, yeah. So for me, it was really, it was a confusing time because I, you know, I used to live next door to my grandparents and my aunts. I was part of this huge extended family and, but I was surrounded by people who didn't look like me, didn't talk like me in terms of language, didn't eat the same food. So at the time, I'm not going to lie, there was racism and things. So I had to really find my own and stand up for myself. And I wasn't always as com- confident as I am now. So my parents were really helpful in being there for me for that point. But it was it was um, being taking what was good from being British and taking what was good from being my her- with my heritage really helped me build that strength and that identity. So from that aspect, it it really um, strengthened me and gave me that confidence. Mm -hmm. Okay. So with your particular background, I really want to delve into this a little bit. I know you want to talk about it too. And when it comes to infertility and, you know, family building stigmas attached, what's, what was kind of the cultural norm if there was one? So basically you get married and nine months later you have a kid. Okay. (laughs) And if you didn't, there's something wrong with you. Okay. Um, so was, is that what, is that what happened? 
<laughs> Pretty much. I mean, I didn't have a kid after nine months. Right. But I, um, yeah, it was interesting because I got married at, a, for Indian perspective, at 27, which was quite old at that okay. time. Um, and then didn't have my first child until I was 37. So 10 years later. So you can imagine during 10 years, wow. I had a lot of comments and none of them, most of them weren't that nice. I had things like, you know, uh, why why aren't you having any children uh, was a very blatant one. And I thought that was quite ballsy to be able to just ask you, why aren't you having children? Especially when inside of me, I knew I wanted to be a mother, but I I wasn't able to. Um, I had comments like, oh, it's your fault you're not having a child, which Oof. blew me away. That, uh, oh, no. I know, right? <laughs> I had, oh, if you're having problems with your husband, you know, having a child will really help. And I'm like, just just shaking my head at yeah. these comments. So many ridiculous comments, you know, you know, children are going to make your life so happy. You should have a child. All of these things, which at the time I just shook my head and I didn't know what to say back to them. Mm-hmm. The only one I did say something back to was um, when someone said to me, oh, why aren't, you, uh, why aren't you having children? I would say, go and ask my husband. Ah. And if you say that to a traditional Indian woman, they just shut their mouth because they're never going to go and ask the guy. But uh-huh. it, it made me realize, why is it that it's the woman that's always asked? Why don't they ask that man or the partner? 100 um, it, it it was it it drove me crazy now that I think about it more and more. But at the time, I was already stuck in my head about I'm trying to have kids, and these people are asking me why am I having kids? Right. So yeah, it's nuts. It's it drives you crazy. It's hurtful. Mm-hmm. You know, people never seem to say the right things, and I think that just so many people don't understand how painful it is to want to have a baby and not be able to have a baby. You know, it's just the people that don't ever go through that just kind of take it for granted that they wanted to get pregnant and they did and they had a baby, you know, yeah. it's just two different, almost two different worlds. Well, let's backtrack a little bit. How did you meet your husband and when did you guys start talking about family building? Yeah. So I met my husband in London and at the time, um, you're not gonna believe this. He was, he'd packed up his bags and was ready to move to California where his family live. I did not know this at the time, but long story short, we met through friends in London. And at the time I didn't really want to meet someone, but we got together and we got married and we sort of talked about kids, you know, on a sort of overreaching over level. About, and I mentioned how I wanted two boys, two girls. I also mentioned that um, if we were ever blessed with a girl, I wanted her to have the name Maya because it was my grandmother's name. And so that was a non, you know, uh, discussed item. That was something that was non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. And, but time it was weird because we would talk about it we would try to have kids and nothing would happen but neither of us really knew or thought about any other options we just thought okay this isn't happening so kept trying and we enjoyed our time together single parents you know uh, single adults together sorry not single adults um not having children so just having the two of us traveling And, and, you know, that carefully life that you never have when you have children. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't know how 10 years passed. It's incredible that 10 years passed. And it took me until then to talk to a doctor to say, hey, this isn't happening. Why and what can I do? And that was the first time that someone sat down with me and talked to me about IVF. Mm -hmm. And I remember that first appointment talking to him. 
And he was a fantastic doctor, so joyful, positive, which is great for someone like me. But just him talking about injections and protocols and um, appointments and scans, I thought, oh, my God, this is not how I thought I would have a child. Mm -hmm. But in my head, I knew I was prepared to do anything it took to have a child, everything from natural to adoption and any other option in between. Mm -hmm. And so I just went with it. And um, thankfully, we were able to have Maya as a result. I did have two embryos implanted, but Maya, I say to Maya, Maya knows about the two embryos. She doesn't know how children are born, sorry, conceived yet. But Mm -hmm. I tell her, you know, she had a twin who she is now a part of, the twin is part of her. So it makes her extra strong. Um, That's so cool. I love that Maya is here. How old is Maya now? She she is nine and a half going on 19. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) But she's incredible. She's a huge delight. We were talking about this earlier. She was the one who gave me the word nerve sighted, which I think yes. is fantastic. And my daughter says that too. I thought she invented that. And you thought your daughter invented Yes. I, it's well, such I a think- great term. You know, I was telling you how we were, we went to Six Flags recently and my son was nerve sighted to go on a roller coaster. And I was like, that's such a perfect description because it is nerve wracking and it's also exciting. And so many things in life are like that. Exactly. And I think, you know, for me, this journey to parenthood, you know, maybe nerve sighted is a really good word because there's parts of it which you're really sort of not sure how it's going to go. You're nervous about, but you're excited that potentially it then could bring out a baby. And, you know, Mm -hmm. they don't always work. This journey has been tough. It's been lots of ups and downs and lots of heartbreak. And, you know, even then after having Maya, I was we were elated that we had her, but the back of my mind, I thought, oh, two boys, two girls, two boys, two girls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but at the age of 37, I was starting to become a bit realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, but we then pursued to then have our second child, who we just had during COVID, Gabir, a son. And um, that in itself was a journey of lots of ups and downs, heartbreak, and mm-hmm. trying to have different treatments seeing different doctors this time it was in America so there's a whole expense included with that so you know yeah not just the emotional um aspects of going through this but the financial aspect is ridiculous Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah the having Kabir finally made me feel a little bit more content with the fact that I might not get to two boys two girls but at least I have two and being a sister of with two brothers I really I thought it was really important that Maya had a sibling um even though she yeah. said she never wanted a sibling yeah <laughs> um I so get yeah, it yeah the route the the path to Kabir was its own sort of path and um having him has has been so Nerve sighting, I should say, because it's been interesting having a boy in the house and that energy that that brings. But I just shared with you earlier, and I haven't shared this with anyone else, but I also recently had, um, as a result of Kabir, we did have an extra embryo. So I just tried to um, have that implanted, but sadly that failed. Oh, I'm so So, sorry, my friend. Thank you, my love. But, um, you know, I just want to share with people that you're not alone. This journey can be so difficult 
but it can also be so joyful. Mm. I have so many friends that, you know, are still trying to have a child and my heart goes out to them. But even I think losing this baby, this um, embryo really made me realize that, you know, there's so many emotions involved with it because on the one side, I should, I should feel grateful, right? I have two children. I feel like I should feel grateful, but the flip side, I'm sad that I've lost this, this child. Yes. Really it's uh, people who go through this should really understand that it's, it is difficult, but it's important for me. I realized it's important to feel the feels, to mm-hmm. go through the upset, to go through the loss, to go through the sadness, to go through the joy, to go through the good, the bad, and the ugly. But for me, I think what really helped was having people around me that I had a support. When the first time I went through IVF, I didn't know anyone going through it. But my best friend in London helped me during the appointments, etc. And then um, a few years ago, I shared my story online um, through Man Baby. And so many people approached me to or message me saying, Oh my God, I went through it. I went through it. People I already know. And I was like, why don't you talk about it? But listen, I respect people's wishes. They don't want to talk mm-hmm. about it. They don't want to talk about it. But mm-hmm. I feel that it shouldn't, especially in the South Asian culture, it shouldn't feel like it's shameful. You shouldn't mm-hmm. feel like you are doing something wrong. It's not okay for people to say hurtful things to you Mm -hmm. and you shouldn't feel alone I think that's my biggest thing I don't want people to feel alone yes can we uh, oh so much to unpack of what you just said I had like (laughs) 15 follow-up questions I would love to just again backtrack a little bit and ask you when you guys finally did decide to see the doctor after you know 10 years what was it that made you take that step? Because obviously, you know, it, it's, I'm sure you'd maybe thought about it before, or, you know, I'm curious as to why you decided to seek the treatment, yeah. then we don't have to get specific about the treatments and all that. But what was the turning point? You know, it's an interesting question. I think about that all the time. Why did I wait 10 years? And I think it's lack of information, mm-hmm. lack of knowing what your options are. You know, IVF was Back when I was married, it was sort of up in the air and it was seen as this untouchable thing because I didn't even know what IVF meant. I didn't, Me either. Yeah, right? You know what really, I, you know, it's interesting that question you asked me about what I was taught during sex education and all of that. I sometimes think that when it comes to teaching about that, yes, you teach about how children are naturally conceived, but is it a time where people should start talking about the other options? I don't mm. know. Because mm-hmm. I feel like more and more people should know their options because mm-hmm. clearly those options are needed more than we realize. Yes. And so I, I, you know, I question that all the time myself. Mm-hmm. Why did I wait 10 years? And I think it was lack of information and mm-hmm. lack of courage to take that step. Lack of, right. I, I think I felt maybe I inside of me after all those comments, that shame kind of penetrated me a little bit like, oh my God, why can't I have children? Right. Do you think uh, it went back to that stigma that we were talking about with the South Asian probably, culture? And probably. yeah, I wasn't surprised if some of that really sit in, in me for a little while. And it's taken me, it was well, taken me a bit of time to get rid of that stigma because I feel like that should not have been the reason why I didn't take the action. But again, it comes down to people understanding that these options are needed and they shouldn't have to deal with these comments and people shouldn't make these comments. No. You know, agreed. It, it's also like the comment of, 
people being asked if why they don't have children when they don't want a child. Mm-hmm. People shouldn't have to be expected to have a child. It should no. be a choice. I was just talking to somebody about that over the weekend because they were, I won't, you know, expose who they are in case they're listening, but it was, you know, friends <laughs> of mine and they're late thirties and, and they were kind of like, I don't know, we don't know if we want them. And I said, it's so brave to admit that you might not, you know, I think that society in general, like just assumes that like, if you're married and you know, you're going to have babies and I think it's so okay to not want them as well. And I think that that's another thing that just needs to be normalized more and more. Like you don't have to have the traditional, you know, the cliche or whatever it is, like you could, you know, there's so many different ways to have a very happy, fulfilled life. Exactly. And families have changed. You know, it's not a two point, um, two point two family. It's not like a mom and dad and two children. Right. You can have just one mom. You can have just one dad. You can have a mom and mom. You can have a dad and dad. You can totally so many different, you know, one of my best friends is a mom with and two dads. Like it's a one and it's amazing. Um, you know, yeah. But yeah, yeah. Was, I think people should just be able to have conversations without having a stigma attached. And even even getting married, I say to Maya, I don't say when you get married. I say if you choose to get married. That's right. If you choose to have children. Yep. And I want her to feel empowered that her choice is her choice. Oh, you just made me well up. I love that. <laughs> That's so important, you know, like to give people too. the power and give them the uh, the agency over their own lives and bodies and, you know, and, and relationships and all that. Yeah, exactly. Really you know, you want to give them the strength and the confidence, again, talking about confidence, you want to be able to give them that confidence to be able to make their own choices and stand up for their own choice mm-hmm. um, in a respectful way, of course. <laughs> Definitely. I also wanted to ask you if you don't mind, and you know, again, you don't have to say anything you don't want to say, please. I want you to feel comfortable. But when you did, you know, with the recent transfer that, that mm-hmm. was unsuccessful, did you and your husband grieve the same? Like, how was that? Cause I know it's can be so hard on a relationship as well. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Cause with each one, it kind of makes you feel like you're grieving a little bit more differently with each other in a, in a better mm-hmm. way, because mm-hmm. I think it's really, important to to realize that for men who don't or or the partner that doesn't go through the actual physical scientific side of it and the loss of it a physical loss of it it's hard for them to really understand what's happening so that support system is important but to also acknowledge that they've also gone through a loss or they're going through their own emotions but we do talk about it more and more Mm -hmm. and um, this time around I think it was hard because we were away and um mm-hmm. the the people who we were with didn't know what was going on and it was mm-hmm. i was i was in a bad place and mm-hmm. but i was surrounded with people who expected to me be a certain way so i was flipping flopping with two different emotions yeah and, and so that was hard but then when i got back home to new york i was able to really um just feel my, again feel my feels i just mm-hmm do what it felt like doing whether it be be angry be upset be I don't know resentful whatever it was mm-hmm. I just let body do it and I spoke to my friends you know again it comes back to having a support group of people whether it be one or ten it doesn't matter as long as you've got someone or some people to talk to I think that's super important um to absolutely have and I think it's important you know another thing I wanted to touch on that you you mentioned was you know, feeling the feels and also 
knowing that it's okay to have what seemingly might one might think of as like conflicting emotions, like you're feeling very grateful, of course, you know, because you do have the two kids, but you're also really sad that mm-hmm. you don't, you didn't have this third and losing an embryo is, is a really big loss, you know? So I just want to, again, try to help normalize that, you know, I think growing up, we're taught, are you happy? Are you sad? Are you this? Are you that? And you can only be one thing right. at a time. But I think that, you know, what we need to realize, and especially going through something so complicated as family building and loss and grief, you can be so many different emotions at once. You can be happy for her and sad for yourself. Right. You know, you can be really pissed at so-and-so, but also grateful, you know? So I think right. that there's, it's okay to say, like, you don't have to just be one thing. Totally. I mean, I totally agree with you. I think I'm all about feeling the feels, even with a daughter and a son. I, you know, it's very typical for Indian guys to say to their son, don't cry. I've Mm. told my husband, you cannot tell anyone, especially a boy, not to cry. Yeah. You need to let them feel their feels because otherwise it will just go into a different um uh, different way and they might get angry or they might sort yes. of shout so you need to let them feel their feels and let them go through the emotions and then just be there for them i 100%. mean I touched on another point one of the other things that i remember feeling joy and then feeling sad is i would have friends having babies all the time you know a lot of them have got three kids and i'm organizing baby showers or attending baby showers and of course I am so happy for them but inside mm. I'm dying I'm like dying yeah why aren't I having any children why why is this not my baby shower 100 you know and so again back to your your point you can feel joy but pain at the same time yeah both Absolutely. genuine acceptable um uh you know recognizable um emotions and you've got to let your body let those emotions go like yeah through your body as they need to and i think it's also important too and i feel like we're coming around maybe it's because i talk about this so much all the time and like fertility rally groups and on these podcasts but it's okay to be angry or be kind of jealous or you know be like mad that somebody is getting pregnant really easily and you're not and you're not a bad person for feeling that way too because i think as women in particular we're like am I a total asshole that I think that blah, 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 blah. And it's like, no, you're not, you're human. You're right. It's okay to think that, you know, did you go through any of that where you felt guilty? Yeah, of course. I mean, I I don't think I ever felt uh, angry at the the person having the children. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or just the situation, you know, Yeah, I was angry at the situation. I was so happy for my friends, of course. Yeah. Yeah. But I was I was angry at myself maybe or angry at my body. I was I was resentful at the fact that I wasn't having a child and I was trying so hard, <laughs> you know. Um, but little totally. did I know what those parents' situations were. I don't know how many of those people had difficulty having those children. You know, that's right. the other point. I always put myself in the other person's shoes. Maybe they did have those three children through lots mm. of help. Yeah. I don't know. But in my heart, I was still like saying they're still having children. <laughs> totally. Not. So, you know, during that 10 years of not having a child, I think I went to so many baby showers and so many birthdays of children. And I would have the best time ever. But at the same time, I'd come home, probably cry my eyes out saying, why wasn't that me? Of course. Of course. It's shattering. Yeah. It's, it's really, really hard. Well, is there anything else that you want to share about what you've been through or just thoughts and feelings on this? I, I love that 
I want to thank you for just being so open about everything and especially, you know, talking about the stigmas and helping shatter stigmas and normalize stuff. Do you think we covered everything or is there anything else you want to get into? Thank you, first of all, for giving me this opportunity. I love chatting to you and I'm lo- oh, I love I finally got to meet in person. <laughs> I know, me too. It was the <laughs> highlight of my night. Oh, for sure. <laughs> but no, I just, I just, I, again, I just want to recap over the fact that to anyone listening, just know you're not alone. Ask for support. I always say, you know, whether or not you know me or not, I'm happy for you to contact me and and talk or just listen. You don't even have, I I feel like some people don't want to even hear someone saying anything in response. They just want to talk and they just want to vent and they just want to be able to have an outlet. Um, So, you know, I'm here for anybody who wants to reach out but just know you're not alone the path to parenthood is not always easy and just know that there's lots of other people who are going through a difficult path as well don't let anybody anybody's negative comments bring you down um yes they're upsetting but try and find a way of dealing with them whether it be you respond to them or whether it be that you go and you know do something you 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 have a different outlet um, afterwards or, or talk to someone else about it just know you're not alone know you're not a bad person if you're thinking badly about someone else having a child and, totally. you know feel your feels if you're getting nothing out of this other than um, feel your feels do that let the emotions be let them let your body do what it needs to do emotionally as well as physically and just have a good support group around you so you're in a safe space if you need if you need people to be around you during those times and if so, people wanted to reach out to you what's the best way rashmi so you can dm me on instagram um, my instagram is rashmi gill photography you can email me rashmi at rashmigill.com and my number's out there already. So I'm happy to give that then 917-363-2290. It's on my website. So it's very public. Oh but, my God. You're so sweet. <laughs> um, you know, just, I, I, I don't mind. I just wish I had people, more people around me at that time as well. I was grateful for my best friend being there, but even throughout this whole journey, I found my I found my crew and it's been amazing to have them there. So I just, even if I am that one person that someone wants to reach out to because they don't have anyone else, happy for them to do so. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much to Rashmi Gill. Check out her beautiful photography at rashmigill.com. All of her info is on there. If you guys want to contact her about that or about any of this stuff, she's really an open book and really just wants to help people. So also make sure you guys check out Fertility Rally if you need a safe space to land. This is the community that is like my beating heart. It's more than 500 women all over the world now. And we have multiple support groups per week. We have so many events. We have a website full of content and videos and resources. We have Fertility Rally Live coming up again in October, which is our all-day event with speakers and giveaways and all that good stuff. 
so much going on. We also have private Facebook groups. So give us a whirl. Check us out. If you're looking for somewhere to go, everybody is welcome no matter what they're going through. So check us out on Instagram at Fertility Rally. Check out our website, fertilityrally.com. You can always DM me or email me if you have any questions or need any more info, but we would love to have you be part of our fam. So thank you guys for listening. And thanks again to Rashmi. Talk to you guys next time.